Yeah, welcome to the Laravel IO podcast. This is Sean McCool, and I'm joined by Matt Machuga and Chris Fidal. Um, Matt Machuga has been on here a couple times, but Chris is new. Chris, why don't you tell us a few things about yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Chris. I work at a marketing agency, Digital Surgeons, here in New Haven, Connecticut. I lead up the tech team, um, which is basically a lot of expression engine development, um, some custom app development. They've done some Laravel in production on some Facebook apps and some contest sites and that kind of thing. So, you know, I have some experience with actually bringing it into production. So are you guys using four or like a mix between three and four? No, all four. I actually never, I used three once, but I really hopped into Laravel in the beta of four. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So I guess last weekend was Laracon, huh? Yes, it was. Yeah, I missed it. <laughs> blast. I missed it too. I think Aww. I wasn't really there, like um, mentally. Uh, I I noticed that, kind of trying to make sure all the speakers are happy and and being host and everything, that I didn't really get to talk to everyone as much because Jason Lewis and and all these people came that I talked to all the time on IRC, and I really spent very little time with anyone. <laughs> Yeah, you were like the man of all hats at Laracon. You were all over the place. Yeah, the downside was nobody mentioned their IRC names until they were leaving, for the most part. Like, day two, everybody told me who they were. It's like, well, <laughs> why didn't you tell me this at the beginning? I know. Like, I I, I think John T. Bear, I, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I apologize. And um, uh, Franz, um, the, I think the guy who does FlexBB, mm-hmm. I, I didn't meet any of these people. Yeah, I feel like you almost have to have a name tag of your Twitter handle or IRC handle on you at all times. The name Otherwise, tags are impossible so to reach, though, right? Yeah. Right. At, otherwise, you're staring at someone's right chest. Let me look at your belly. <laughs> <laughs> I do not feel awkward at all. <laughs> what kind Whoa, of talks did you guys Dave. hear, though? Um, we had like a wide variety of talks, kind of ranging from, uh, you know, kind of object-oriented stuff like Matt's talk and getting into, like, Ben Corlett had a really cool talk about, you know, how, how to approach writing packages so that when you write a package, it's not like a Laravel-specific package, you know, and just yeah, in yeah. general knowing when to write a package and how to use service providers to to write packages in a way that, you know, your code isn't going to be, like, either reinventing the wheel or somebody else is going to have to reinvent the wheel because they want to use what you did on Fuel PHP, so they have to port it over, that kind of thing. Yeah, that seems to be the missing art right now, kind of generalizing so other people can use your code yeah, you know, outside time. of Laravel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it was a really good talk, and it definitely made me think um, about revisiting my packages. And <laughs> It's funny. I, I just I got to thinking about my packages, and I was thinking, man, I just want to destroy half of them, just wipe them off the planet. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He was super well-spoken about the entire thing, too, like very confident and just pounded through the entire uh Entire presentation it was really good. Yeah, Ben Corlett, he's the the lead developer at Cardless, and he's not only a great developer. I just discovered at Laracon that he's also a great speaker. Yeah, definitely, and he's only twenty one, which is awesome. I I can't nail that dude's age because I I I just had no way of knowing because he's so tall and everything, and he speaks that Australian accent, and it's all just so foreign to me. Yeah, he was on like a. 30-hour flight on his way over here, too. Like, he got laid over for a while and had to fly over China and weird stuff like that. Wow. He had an adventure, that's for sure. And then uh, he discovered how 
difficult some steps in Amsterdam could be over at Frank's house. <laughs> well, they but, are pretty pretty steep. I'm still convinced that was a ladder. That did not look like a set of steps. <laughs> like every single person that comes and visits, uh, they're like, are these stairs safe? And then, you know, you use them for like a week or two and then you don't even think about them. Yeah, I don't know. Ben's really tall. Like, I'm, I don't know, like six foot, but my shoe size is 14 American. So it's like super hard for me to walk up and down normal size steps in general. So Frank steps would definitely kill me. Like, hands down. I'm pretty sure Ben's feet were pretty big, too. <laughs> I have never been to Frank's place. <sighs> they, they, it's seriously a ladder. Like, he showed me a picture. It just goes straight up. <laughs> I'm impressed, though. Frank's talk was really good as well. Yeah, we had a, Frank's talk was over um, kind of, I guess, reaching out outside of your comfort zone with, like, technology and, like, learning from other languages and other communities and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of a meta talk. That's cool. Yeah, I, like I actually learned keep... a lot when I was um. What, sorry, I cut you off. I was saying I like that good. a lot, or I said um, I learned a lot from using Node.js a lot because that's at some points when you're using Node, you kind of get really low level into HTTP and streams and that kind of thing, and that was actually really helpful for me to to really figure out, you know, really what was going on with an HTTP request, which eventually led to me reading the HTTP spec and all that kind of stuff. So it, I think learning. Learning other languages is really, really important. Yeah, he drew a good um, good allusion over to JavaScript during his talk, too. He's, he's like, okay, so here's how a promise works in JavaScript. Let's try to make something similar in PHP. So it's kind of a neat way to look at it. Frank discussed the uh, build tools and different things like that that we can use. And, um, I mean, not not to, like, cut it short, but I kind of want to, like, segue in on what, um, what Chris just said about HTTP. Russ's talk was awesome, like super low level, super helpful on how you should be caching HTTP. Like that was an amazing talk. That and dude is a think, monster. He's just. You, you've I, seen that talk twice now, right? Yeah, like I've seen times. it a couple times. Yeah, and uh, it's just it just keeps getting better. And his presentation skills are amazing, and he's interesting. I just when I went to Amsterdam PHP, which is where I found him. And uh, remind me in a moment. I want to bring up a point about that. But when I when I saw him at Amsterdam PHP, I was going thinking, oh, this talk is going to be so boring. But I'm going to get free pizza and beer, and we're going to be good to go. Um, but we were everyone was super engaged, and it was a great talk. We're like, man, we got to see if we can get this guy for Laracon. Yeah, it was definitely a good pick. Like he and, did amazing. I'm pretty sure I saw a favorite talk a few times on uh, joined in where everyone he, was rating. He had like three times as many ratings as everyone else, and it was all like all five stars basically. Yeah, it was super good, and it wasn't even language specific, which was really awesome. I really appreciated that. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that we we all should know, and I didn't talk to anyone who didn't feel like they learned something. Yeah, it was a really educational experience overall, and I mean, really, you could not have picked a better venue. That was amazing. Yeah, like the um, water is right there. The the cruise ship or whatever that was that was right outside the building that was amazing. Yeah, it's those are hotel boats. I really? think the cruise ships do dock though in there, so maybe I missed it. What you're talking about, but there are hotel boats that like are right there all the time. Maybe that's what it was. Um, I know Ben took one over to England and then came back on one, so it was probably what. It oh, was. okay, yeah, cruise ship then. <laughs> um, but really quick, uh, the the point I wanted to make about Amsterdam PHP was. What what I think I'm going to really have to do is keep going to a bunch of uh, meetups and keep seeing a bunch of talkers um, so I can 
you know, watch and, and try to figure out, okay, how does it, how would this person fit into a conference and what does that conference become with this talk and, you know, kind of scout out speakers because I'm, I wasn't really sure how, how to go about uh, finding speakers. So basically I, I found people who I knew were like qualified, um, you know, and who had good ideas you know, and who I, I kind of knew and who have, you know, most of the time given talks before. And so there was a mix of, you know, wanting to give some people a new opportunity and then getting some, you know, heavy hitters in like Fabian and Taylor and Jordy. And so it was, it was, it was kind of a, it was a really weird experience for me, but I really enjoyed all of it. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of super glad it's done now because I haven't been so calm in like months. Yeah. Planning has got to be so tough. My, my buddy Yarun and I kind of took the, the, you know, brunt of the organization and we kind of didn't really realize what we were getting into, to be honest. And then, um, tickets kept selling and we were like, hmm, this is getting pretty big. Uh, at first, you know, we weren't sure what to expect. It's like maybe we have a hundred people. It's planned for, a, you know, a hundred, but we ended up having like 184 or some people packed in there. So it was getting a little bit crowded in that, in that main bar area. Yeah, did you yeah. pick that venue ahead of time, or did you figure that out after you saw how many people were signing up? Um, we kind of had a couple venues on, on like on call where we had to, we had a chance to call them and confirm later, you know. But other than that, they blocked out that time that time for us. And right. if anyone else wanted to confirm that time, then we had first uh, veto. You know, we we could say no, we'll take it. We confirm now. You know. Um, so when the tickets started rolling in, and and we pretty much, I think. I, one interesting thing was we sold something like 75% of all of our tickets in the first week and a half, two weeks, and the last week, week and a half. So between there, there's like an incredible lull where we were like, what is happening here? Are we not selling tickets? I don't know. But at the very end, uh, we sold a bunch of tickets and at the very beginning. So I think now that it might be a pattern uh, to, to watch for. So if where you're running something, observe how many people sign up in the, in the first week or two, and then you can maybe gauge the total attendance in some way off of that. Neat. It's kind of interesting little pattern there. I guess it makes yeah, it's sense. Kind of like, um, to... Kind of like Kickstarter, right? How they always start strong and end strong, but the middle is this terrible lull. Yeah, where everybody's like terrified. Yeah. Yeah, so, the Edge phone went through that pretty well. Was uh nobody nobody's contributing for a couple weeks there, and then everybody tried to get their last rush in, like oh please come through. So did that did that work out? No, I no. think it got think eight million. It like, no, I thought it was, it was in the that? teens, but you know it was less than half, or maybe it was at half. That's too bad. I, I want one, but I don't want to invest in that capacity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Chris, uh, so am I correct? You're you're working on a book right now? Yeah, I'm doing that. Um, so I saw that, I'm going to start talking about it. If I start rambling, hopefully you can edit some stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, so I'm writing this book. Um, I've been writing on my blog a lot and people seem to like the content there. And when I saw kind of how many people were interested in all these books that were getting written, I, you know, decided me too. Now, can I ask how you feel your book differentiates itself from the others? Yeah, so um, I actually emailed with Taylor about this a little bit, and I think they flow together pretty well. Because you have 
Codebright, which is, you know, the basics, how to use Laravel, um, Taylor's book, which is kind of the architecture of the application, and these more advanced concepts, right, like Solid and how he wants, how Laravel uses dependency injection and, you know, service providers and all that kind of thing. And my book kind of is an example of all that. So I have an example application and, you know, it starts with some basics and it runs through using the repository pattern and that kind of thing. And all the while I'm using dependency injection, using service providers, um, using solid principles and kind of building up this, this blog application. So kind of more of a practical approach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, learn by example. Um, cause you know, if you've read Taylor's book, which is, you know, it's not a prerequisite for my book, but it is a good starting point. If you've read his book and you have an understanding, you know, this is how the service provider is, you can have an idea of how it puts everything together uh, between the Illuminate packages. You can kind of see it in action with making your own application library and adding in your own service providers and seeing how that, you know, that works with your code. Can I ask you, does does your book go, you know, I you, you said that it covers the repository pattern, et cetera. Do you talk at all about when you would use the uh, repository pattern and when you wouldn't? Yeah, and that's been um, coming up a lot on Twitter lately, so I might even go into that a little more before it comes out. Right now I have a blurb, and that blurb is basically don't go overboard with all this stuff um, because, you know, so many people want to use it and use it a lot, use it every time, and that can get into some pitfalls if you're just writing way too much code for, you know, a simple application. So do you subscribe to, like, lean development philosophies? That's a great question. I lean toward pragmatism. So it's, um, I end up with this mix. There are times where, that's a good question. <laughs> so I, I mean, very pragmatic in terms of when I use certain design patterns, when I don't. So I don't always use the repository pattern, for instance. I'll just hop in and start using Eloquent right in the controller or something when something just needs to get done or something's prototyped or it's just quick. Um, my blog, philelifer.com, is all uh, in the controller right now. I think I I might have moved some stuff to repository, but that was kind of like an incremental step. Um, at Digital Surgeons, we are client-based, so we have you know a lot of projects and that kind of thing. And we'll do things like agile, you know, sometimes depending on if it makes sense for the client. Other times, we have a full-on process that starts with you know in this discovery and design and. The development is a lot of expression engine, so that goes in the front end and then, you know, hooking into the expression engine side. So there's not a lot of room there for, you know, like a full-on agile sprints and that kind of stuff. So it sounds like you're using your experience to inform when you create additional architecture versus keep it simple, keeping it lean in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Shit. My brain, my, somebody say something smart. Matt, you say something smart. Yeah, that, that's challenging. <laughs> Just like out of All the right. field, say something smart. No. Yeah, I got I nothing. Uh, I was like, I was reading a tweet, and my brain kind of broke reading it. So, I, like, that was the worst time you could have asked me. Was it grumpy programmer? To. No, the, I try to ignore that guy. Okay. Just like, there's, there's too much saltiness on Twitter in general. Yeah, but, you know, it was like totally something. True. My yeah, like, why can't people just be positive? I want people to get along and, like, collaborate. Yeah. Or at I least this, be nice to each other. I have this huge aversion to getting into Twitter fights, you know what I mean? Because it's just not productive. Uh, and a lot of times there'll be this long conversation on Twitter, 
people hop in and people kind of have their view on whatever the discussion on Twitter is. And it kind of is different from what else is talking about. And then points get missed. And then everyone's kind of like, no, this isn't what I mean. All in 140 characters with like six different people on the string. So maybe 120 of those characters are at whoever. <laughs> so maybe right. not the most responsible way to have an informed discussion. No. No, there's that, zero chance of ambiguity in 140 characters. That's no. for sure. Uh, so, Matt, I took your advice, and I finally got a copy of uh, Practical Object-Oriented Design in Ruby by Sandy Metz. Yes. Excellent book. And i got to say, um, I think that this is probably one of... Probably the book that I would recommend to somebody who wanted to get into object-oriented programming and design for, like, any language. Just just to understand the concept of object-oriented programming. Yeah, she does a great job of going over all the actual concepts and logic behind it. And yeah, the examples are in Ruby, and some of the stuff's specific because, you know, like Ruby has a, a very unique object model, but um, she mentions, like, you know, this stuff came from Java. It's it's things that we've had for a long time, and a lot of people in Ruby are just rediscovering it. So it's a great primer for anybody doing that kind of stuff. And it gives you the trade-offs. She doesn't say... You absolutely should use X. It's in this situation, X might be very helpful to you. Um, in another situation, Y may be more helpful. Um, like I alluded to it very lightly in my talk, but she goes over um, inheritance and composition and discovering the pros and cons of each. And like I really appreciate things like that because it's not a hard, it's not a hard rule that you have to use one or the other. Um, it's just one will make it easier for you at that given time. Yeah, it, it basically, if you want, uh, I'm talking to listeners now, if you want to figure out if you want to get this book on object-oriented programming and design, hop on YouTube and type Sandy Metz, S-A-N-D-I-M-E-T-Z, and just watch any video with her, and I think you'll probably be sold pretty much immediately. She's a yeah, powerhouse. she's a great speaker. Um, and she's actually teaming up with another Rubyist, uh, Katrina Owens, and they're doing kind of a... I don't know how you want to say it, like a pairing session during their their talks. Like one starts off and then the other one has a session later in the day that kind of wraps up or goes like further in depth. So it's, it's a neat little concept. Yeah, I really like Katrina Owen. I, I saw a, a video with her in it and, you know, I started following her and, and she's another really good, a really good educator. Yeah, her therapeutic refactoring video is extremely well-spoken. I think she went over like really pragmatic and really thought, like insightful ways of looking at your code to try to refactor it. Like the, the subtle things that you don't think about at first. Like um, she has the example of, uh, I think it's a method that just has a bunch of string manipulation in there and nothing is kind of in sync with each other. And she winds up um, kind of cleaning it up all the way to that each line is doing the exact same operation where you're just concatenating to a string or you're maybe yeah. she's adding it to an array and then um, concatenating it at the end. But it's the same operation every time. Like it's very logical. You can read it cleanly. And the starting point for that code was ridiculous. And then, like, her big plot twist is that I actually wrote this code, so it, it was me. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, but now we have to learn from it. Yeah, exactly. So Are it, they both uh, Rubyists? Yeah. Um, I mean, Katrina, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sandy did Java and stuff for years, too. But um, like Sandy her, works her at, big things really. what, Duke? Duke University? Berkeley? Duke, Duke I want to say Duke. Anyway, she uh, she does um, consulting uh, for organizations who have these, like, mega 
legacy massive systems and they need right. to, you know, make it manageable. Because you can't just rewrite systems. You, like the idea of rewriting most systems is, you know, small sites, it's a, it's whatever. You can rewrite it. You're going to lose a little bit of money probably or whatever. Sometimes you, you get stuck and you, the idea of refactoring is almost not even an option because everything's so coupled. But uh, with these mega systems, you got to like approach it as like this long-term war. Yeah, long-term maintenance. <laughs> I, I highly respect anybody who kind of markets themselves as a, a legacy saver or um, I can't think of the term right now, but they're like dedicated to going in and fixing your legacy project. It's such a yeah. cool concept. It's a great concept, but man, like that's got to like maybe not so much in the Ruby world because you kind of know what you're walking into, but like for PHP people, like there was some crazy shit like five years ago, ten years ago. Most crazy stuff you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, like I just can't picture doing that. Well, (laughs) I I guess you've done it, right, Sean? Um, I yeah. Um, we just finished building a massive uh, CMS that was basically um, a re-envisioning of this old system. But for a long time, we maintained this this old like CMS, just like this insane beast. And bit by bit, we refactored it into something that was maintainable just so that we could solve problems and add features. Because <laughs> otherwise, it was just impossible. Because what would happen is they had all these features like PHP Haml parsers that are just old and broken and... Uh, you know, you, you have like one white space problem and then the template like duplicates itself for some amazing reason. And so you have a, a, a page you go to and it's like two pages to, on top of each other. And you're like, what in the world could have caused this? There's like a hundred partials that could be responsible. Which one has the white space problem? So bit by bit, we solved like these little problems and it was just incredibly costly. And eventually, you know, it was like, well, actually, let's look at this in another way is this even solving the business need? And then when we kind of decided that it, it actually really kind of wasn't, let's make a much smaller system directly targeted to the need and kind of <laughs> put new clients on that. So that's what we did. And we're still maintaining the old stuff. But for me, um, at some point in time, I, I got into um, the book Refactoring, uh, Martin Fowler, right? Mm-hmm. And the just the idea that, because I always knew what refactoring was, but... I didn't know what a refactoring was, you know what I'm saying? So like a single unit of safely modified code that can be verified to be good, you know, from the beginning of the refactoring to the end of the refactoring, this one specifically named refactoring um, is safe to do or not safe based on the refactoring, right? So these ideas like really like made me happy because the things that stress me out are having to do all this thinking and all of the uncertainty and the more uncertainty and the more like thought I can remove from the entire process, the more sane my whole life is. So Absolutely. like, yeah. Sorry. So do you find you can um, kind of extract out into like an application library of your own kind of, you know, have your own side library that helps out in the refactoring process or is it? Yeah, that's literally kind of what like we a, did. Yeah, okay. Uh, we made a mini framework within the application and just like, or I guess a mini application, but it, it used a lot of, um, I kind of use Laravel as a, as a baseline because I really like the syntax and everything. Yeah. And there's a lot of technology in there that I like. So I ended up kind of, you know, 
there's probably not very many actual Laravel classes in there, but a lot of the ideas are the same. So it's not exactly like direct plagiarism, but I'm pretty sure the license allows for it. Anyway, um, I, and we just called it refactor. So there's a, a subfolder called refactor. And within there, I had a, a no, another domain model, uh, separate from, well, there's no real way to pinpoint where the domain model actually was in the other app. So, um, bit by bit, we would create, uh, classes in the refactor folder and move functionality and then uh, you know, wherever another piece of code would reference it, we'd point that to the right place. And so eventually, you know, we had a reasonable object-oriented structure to work with, and it saved a lot of headache. But there are just certain things I couldn't do. Like, I couldn't just redo the entire routing system because it was just too much, too um, tightly bound with everything, and right. it just wasn't going to happen. You know, there's too many unknowns because this code base was just massive. It was taken over by team after team. Um, and none of them knew how the system actually worked except for the people who originally wrote it. So in the first development team, or maybe the second, it's impossible for me to know, actual doctrine migrations were broken. So somebody started directly manipulating the database, and so we lost the migrations. We lost the ability to do all kinds of stuff with doctrine because we no longer had a direct, you know, a reasonable mapping. Um, so it was, it, it really changed the nature of these tools and, um, yeah, so it, it's kind of a flying by the seat of our pants and trying to damage control as much as possible. But it, it's really fun in a way. I, I, I It has never been for me before because I've been uh, coding kind of professionally for like 15 years. And only in the past year, year and a half, have I really started enjoying uh, working on old systems, just kind of digging in there and seeing what I can do and start cleaning them up bit by bit. I don't know what happened. Really, I think it's just now that PHP has real object-oriented um, capacity. Now, I mean, I just—I guess I'm an object-oriented programmer at heart. I just want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, the latest PHP really gives you an avenue to to do that, though, right? Because you can abstract out classes, abstract out functionality to a namespace now, and just kind of use that where you need it in some code. Yeah, there were a lot of features that we very, very much so needed, and uh, they're finally around and. Um, I think there's an RPC. I think there's something out on the mailing list, the PHP mailing list, to get better namespaces going, or at least uh, yeah, more functional. For, what does that mean? Better namespaces for in this context. Function levels, I believe. Yeah, um, it's still not like a, a global namespace import, or I'm, oh. I shouldn't say global in that context. Um, I saw a withdrawn it, RFC that had namespacing for functions and constants. No, wait, is auto loading? That was auto loading. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, um, there's a there's an RFC out on that on just like getting your functions um, in a namespace. Now, what is it? Now I'm confused. Functions are already namespace. Yeah, the functions are namespace because we like we have that in Laravel. Um, is it actually withdrawn? Like, did they they canceled it or yeah, it was did somebody a, just give up? I don't know if there were others competing for it or anything like that. I I did see a withdrawn uh, proposal for um, auto loading functions and constants. Huh. Interesting. Uh, maybe it's not coming then. I just I want a <laughs> yeah. I want a full namespace import. Like I I don't oh, like uh, yeah. use star <laughs> or illuminate.star or front slash. See, I'm I'm in the, all the wrong languages all the time. <laughs> right? Hey, just like, give me C sharp. But uh, you know, actually, I I really like PHP for web development. I, I a lot of people complain about it, but to me, it's it's just a detail, and it's not even I don't even mind. It. I enjoy it. Right, like I like some of our back channel talks. Uh, some people get very upset with us because we're sitting there like making fun of PHP or we're making fun of something, and 
Like, well, why do you use it? Like, well, like they get super angry about it. It's like, no, we use tons of languages and we can find faults in all of them. It's, it's fine. It's not that we hate it. It's just we know what the faults are and we like to tease it about it. Like yeah. the same thing if you're hanging out with your buddies. Like, you're going to tease each other over little things that don't matter. It's just fun. Like, it's, it's nature. I think if you can um, fix namespacing in PHP, to me, that is, like, the pain point. The one big pain point that, like, I don't want to have use and then, like, five six classes at the top of my file. Right. It just it seems pointless. And and I know that good namespacing practice uh, is, is a, you know, it, it removes the need for a lot of that. So, you know, you have the classes that interact with each other as subsystems uh, all in the same kind of namespace so that you don't have to do use for that kind of thing. But there, there's only so much you can do, really. Right. I at some like point, that. they have to talk to other ones. I do like that for auto-loading, though, because, um, like, the... On the other more traditional way of autoloading was kind of Zen's thing where you have an underscore for folder names and then you end up with these ridiculously weird underscored uh, class names that don't really make sense. Yeah. Th- those were not great times. Yeah, those were, the, <laughs> they were my favorite. Yeah. It was so, it was so painful. <laughs> it wasn't long ago when that changed. I, I was, I was out, like I've said this too many times. I need to stop talking about it. I was done with PHP and I was moving on. Um, but then all of those things just changed all of a sudden. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. I was doing um, pretty much like Ruby getting into exclusively at that point, um, and then 5.3 came around. And I was like, huh, we we have usable stuff now. Okay, I'll stick around. What's like, nice is yeah. it's been long enough now that the infrastructure's there, the code is there, so you can just go out and... I mean, how often do you really find code? And we were talking about this the other day. How often do you really find code that has underscore... Uh, prefixes for private, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and properties. And how often do you find code that has those send oh, the the old underscore namespacing convention? You don't really see that anymore. Yeah, I think the fig actually is helping that the framework interoperability group, um, and they take a lot of flack for their stuff. But like, really, we're moving in a direction. That's that's what I care about. We're not sitting stagnant in the old underscore days. Like, it's going somewhere. Yeah. So. They're great. Yeah, like even if you hate it, you have to admit that's awesome. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I absolutely don't hate the fig at all. Like I switched. I, I do PSR two straight PSR two with one minor exception. I put a space in front of my ex- exclamation point in conditionals. Um, but I don't think anybody's going to get too angry with me. Um, no, I mean the code conventions are you know take them or leave them. Cause, but the important part is the stuff that people are actually following. You know the auto loading yeah. and like namespace convention and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I went. I just went full on PSR two. Like I, I'm just going to adopt like for every single uh, PSR standard I can, uh, because from project to project I'll just change my my style, change everything, just to see what it's like, right? But now with the standards, I can I kind of have a reason to just stick with one thing. So you know, there's somebody over my shoulder saying, you know, you could just do the same thing as everyone else. And I'll be like, yeah, that, that sounds pretty nice. So now I don't have to make all these small decisions about, hmm, do I want spaces inside my parentheses? Right. It's really surprising. It took us so long to do that in PHP. Like, Python's had PEP8 for... I know, it's the God, first thing I don't you even learn. Know how it's like, I'm going to learn Python. What is the correct style? PEP8, done. Yeah, exactly. Like, Ruby doesn't have an official standard, but everybody uses nearly the exact same thing and then there's like two camps for minor things like uh parenthesis placement since most of them are optional like there's seattle style and then there's whatever they call the other one um but you know like everybody uses two spaces or your library's pretty much just rejected from anything or um 
Yeah, the, that's like our big one, really. Like pretty much if you're not using two spaces for your indentation, it's just nobody knows how, what to do with your code, you know? Um, whereas we're still battling between tabs and spaces. Yes. And I, I love that everybody was not afraid to make jokes like that at Laricon. Like the tabs for spaces jokes, the PSR2 jokes, like, you know, everybody's comfortable with it when you're, when you're not, I guess, in the war zone, when you're sitting in IRC. Also, yeah, like when you're in real life and you can actually see the people and know that they're human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a really a loud minority on that too. So I'm sure most people are pragmatic enough to be, you know, to go with whatever's the standard for a project or, you know, whatever. In reality, there's like one person or maybe a, a committee, if the situation's right, that actually even has that choice in, in, per project. I, I just don't see it as a big deal. You know, somebody yeah. says, here's the standard for the project, and you say, okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that tends to work out well on our team. Like, we have, um, we have a lot of JavaScript projects going on. We pretty much just pick up whatever the last team did. So, like, the project I moved off of, they're still using the same um, conventions that uh, my team started with. And then on this new one I'm starting, everybody's picking up just the things we started with again. So um, even if you preferred the underscores in JS, it's like, okay, we're using camel case. We're using, um, like, so when you're using camel case, this actually comes up in Laravel. When you're exporting JSON, do you deserialize your things into underscore? Or I guess you can consider it serializing. Right. Like, um, uh, if you're sending to JSON, Google, I think, recommends that you use camel case, but pretty much everyone else will use underscores. Yeah. So we actually translate all of our keys out to underscore when they leave the system. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing. Actually, we, like anybody else is working on this with me. I've been using Ember.js, and um, so we, in, in JavaScript, we're exclusively camel case. So there's no mixing of anything. The attributes don't have a snake case, have no underscores anywhere. And then they're simply translated. Um, back to the API. Like, I, there's something about when I have JSON out in the wild, I like it to be standard underscore, like no magic stuff, no weird mix casing. Like it has to all be one thing, and that's underscore for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I mean, I mean, technically, that's just a, a decision made. I haven't actually written any backend because I'm just using Ember's fixtures to to do the do the development of the app, which is really awesome, by the way. I'm not having to write any server-side anything. I'm really digging Ember. I, I learned AngularJS, uh, I don't know, about a year ago to some passable level. Like, I, I'm able to support people every once in a while, you know. Uh, but AngularJS is kind of like a little bit more my style, I think. Yes, what do you like better been... about it? Yeah, um, so I like how it automatically creates controllers and everything for you. Um, how it automatically builds out route routes for you. Um, just whatever you want, it just builds, you know, like the defaults are there and they work. So if you have a route that has a model bound to it, it's an array of users and then it'll go ahead and create a controller that is an array controller so that when you're interacting with your template, it'll automatically know how to deal with all these things. So there's a, there's a few like weird things I've had to been, I've been having to deal with as far as paradigm goes. Uh, and I find that's the most difficult. It's, I think that's obviously the most difficult part of learning these things. It's like you have the template, and in you know in this case I'm just using handlebars like you know the standard Ember way, and uh, that template interacts with bindings from a controller. That controller basically just exists to interact with the template. You know what I'm saying? So um, you know data bindings are happening with that controller. 
but that controller is also informed and configured by the route. So when you go to slash projects slash one, then that route says, okay, you're trying to load this project. And then that's your model for that route. And then your controller says, okay, we have a project loaded. Instead of being an array controller, I'm going to be an object controller so that all the template interactions are appropriate for the model of this route. And it's just, it's just weird for me to get used to. I'm starting to wrap my head around it. I've, um, I've gotten into RSVP, uh, and, you know, do, you know, making promises and, and all that's really fun. Cause, you know, I've, I've known the idea of a promise object for a while, but never really have I gotten, you know, dug into and actually coded stuff with it and, you know, made stuff. So I'm, I'm having a blast, man. I, I really like Ember. Um, and I, I really love that it automatically builds stuff for me. Cool. I think Ember's big, um, I think they actually use it as a marketing point, but they're pretty close to like Smalltalk MVC and just um, like Objective C. Uh, the routes are like the one thing that kind of stands out. I guess it's kind of like a view controller, maybe. But like everything else is pretty similar. And um, like I had a really good time with it before we we switched over to Angular. Um, I think ha- um, Handlebars is probably the best front end templating language I've worked with so far. Like I, I think it's brilliant. Um, does a great job with that stuff, but it's definitely like a paradigm switch going between Angular and um, and Ember. Like they just handle things so differently, and it, it took me a while to adapt to Angular, but you know, like they're both great. And for anybody who wants to learn Ember, even though the is the one point out yet, one point stable. I'm not sure if it's out or not. It's but, not um, stable. It's like a release candidate, but. I mean, the, the important thing for me, I switched to 1.0 every, I, I switched to the newest version of everything because I don't want to be coding to old API. Have you guys heard of this inter, or, or this RF, RFC for named parameters that's actually out right now? The, uh, the variatic ones, or does somebody put in a name parameter too? I don't be cutting out for me a little bit again. Well, he was asking if you're talking about the variatic parameters or just named parameters. Just name parameters. I think Phil Sturgeon kind of revived uh, an RFC out there, or either that or he's just talking about it a lot. Um, but it's one that I like a lot. Man, name parameters will change a lot. Yeah, I mean, having to do, like, true, false, 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 true, just so you can get to that last default parameter to yeah, change but it is such a pain. That's not object-oriented programming, though. Like, You shouldn't have a bunch of Booleans, right? Oh, yeah, you mean for um, for dependencies on a method? Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's just it always it's like a, a really big smell to have a, a huge chain of parameters. Yeah, but even a lot of um or a few PHP methods have that I found. Oh yeah, like absolutely. PHP methods. That's a little different because PHP is, is you know functions. It's not a bunch of objects that you're using. Sorry, I'm just reading that link. <laughs> <laughs> Distraction. Well, if we could get uh, named parameters and variatics, then we'd be like one step closer to taking over Python. If only oh, we yeah. could get a good uh, class importing system. <laughs> I think Python's the way that they handle modules is just out of this world. I, I, I think it's great. It's weird I how many people it. love or hate that. Like, there is no middle ground. I thought that everybody just universally loved Python, but I'm finding out recently that that's not the case. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, I think their modular system's brilliant. I wish we could have something like that, but nope. 
Maybe we'll I like it. any import syntax, like Ruby and Python. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I did ActionScript three years and years and years ago, and I like that entire model fun. of coding a lot. It's so fun to code in. Yeah. It's actually how I learned object-oriented programming, too. I've read a bunch of design pattern books on it and everything, all specific to ActionScript 3, and that was a lot of fun. Because it's like game development and... Yeah, that's uh, what I use it model, for. Modeling physics, it's really fun. I just I just don't understand when people don't like action script because to me it was always a good time so every time. Yeah. I've Even like for projects not really saw, I've not really seen action script but your booleans are really weird in action script. That that's like the only exposure I've had to it and it was one of my coworkers going, "I don't I don't understand." <laughs> but uh don't what <laughs> what is it? Is it quote true? Is that what your booleans are? Or not your booleans, but Honestly, booleans. um I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't remember at all. Oh, there's something. There was just something I remember seeing about the Boolean syntax, which is really weird. And I think you had to quote true, like it was a string true or something like that. Like you know how Objective C is yes and no, but it's still kind of like the constant yes and no. It, it still kind of makes sense, but ActionScript threw me for a loop. I wonder if that was an older ActionScript. I'm just looking. I just googled it real quick, and it looks like it's a normal true or false. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Impossible. I've only used ActionScript 3, so I, I can't right, say. Too. Maybe that's why people hate ActionScript. It's like PHP 3 or something. They're like, man, PHP is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, very, very well possible. It might have been ActionScript 2 because it was like a really old application. Um, it was just kind of like maintenance work, trying to make sure it stays online. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've actually also never actually worked on an application. It was only game development, so... Yeah, like I'm looking through the old uh, ActionScript 2 docs and none of these look right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe I saw something different. So Chris, um, when is your book actually going to come out? Hopefully about a week from now. It's out to a few people to review. I'm waiting to hear back from some of them and then I can, you know, finish up writing it. I'm really hoping their feedback isn't everything sucks and you need to rewrite this. Well, <laughs> that I, would be terrible. <laughs> but, I think that, you know, if people want to check it out, they should just read your blog and see what they feel about that. And then if they like it, get the book. Yeah, that's very much the reading style. Sometimes I wonder if I'm driving people crazy because I use we a lot. Like, all right, <laughs> we're going to do this next. Let's code it like this. When, I don't know. Sometimes my own head, it just sounds so cheesy, but I'm hoping it comes across as okay. I, I know what you mean, man. I, I wrote a lot of uh, blog posts and, and did a lot of screencasts, and I, I go back and look at old stuff. And I'm like, oh, can I just – I asked Justin, can I delete all the blog posts on our site now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if your writing style changes over time. Oh, so bad. So if so you can just drop it to, like, the most honest people you know, and that's the best way to get, get some review. Yeah, like, Sean's, right. Sean's pretty bluntly honest if you want to give him something. So it's yeah, always right. always nice to send him some code, and he's like, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'll definitely I can send you guys the previews of it I have so far. Cool, man. So nice. is that like a lean pub thing, or what's your approach? Yeah, yeah, it's completely lean pub. Um, I love that model. I don't know if you guys have tried to do anything with it, but they sync to your Dropbox, and in your Dropbox you can make these text files, and in the text files you just write Markdown, which I love. I write down and um, I write in Markdown all day long. Uh, my blog is actually marked on power. My admin area, I'm just writing in a, a big text area, and I just throw in Markdown there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, Markdown's great. I, we we go th- we jump through hoops to make sure Markdown's going to work. Like we have a client where you need a like a WYSIWYG editor, and we use we use Red Actor. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. Red Actor. Who knows? And um, so we translate it. We we have the controls limited to only what cleanly translates to Markdown, and then we translate it to Markdown on submit. 
and send it into the the thing, and then when nice. it comes back in, it gets translated into HTML. So it's really simple stuff, really simple HTML, really simple Markdown, but it allows us to have all the content in Markdown because, man, if I have to store HTML in a database, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Yeah, seriously, not worth it. No, not at all. <laughs> Markdown, um, what do you use for normal Markdown editing? Like I use, um, it's called Moo, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, that's what I use. You guys are yeah. on the OS or on a Macs, right? Yeah. So I use Sublime Text because I don't think I have anything cool in Linux. Yeah, they're probably a, probably a bit limited. There's what is it called? It, I think it's like Dillinger.io for an online one. Yeah, right. I use that for a little bit, and that was pretty decent. But um, Moo is pretty much just using WebKit. Like you can tell it's a, a WebKit rendered object because yeah, I think uh, a few versions see, ago you could yeah, like, like, like you can see Paul, inspect element. What? Damn it, I'm blanking on it. Uh, Paul Irish is, you can see his pink highlighting for his, uh, his CSS library. So like you can clearly tell it's, it's CSS3 and marked, or HTML. Yeah. Yeah, a few yeah. versions ago on the preview pane, you used to be able to right click and inspect element and just take the HTML. I actually found the CSS file that way and used it on a site <laughs> like, like a few years ago. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. They got some fun stuff though. I really, like I, I edit all my markdown that's going to go on to GitHub that way, just to make sure it renders the way I expect. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's really nice. Although it doesn't like the syntax for um, saying what language you're using. You know what I mean? In the code fences, where you can define if it's PHP or Ruby or something like that. Yeah, I'm really hoping they allow the the custom markdown definitions. Um, there's some other program on Mac that has that. I can't remember who it is, but I would really like to see Moo get that. Because that would make it pretty much perfect at that point. Yeah, that app is great. I've tried even Writer, which is a really good writing app, but I still go back to Moo because I love the preview pane being right next to it. Yeah, I Writer worked for me for a little bit, and then I started writing some of my screencast scripts with it, and it would, like, I don't know if it was an artifact or if it was actually destroying the file, but it would <laughs> just rack up everything I was doing. Like, I couldn't read the script halfway down, so I'd have to, like, oh, relaunch wow. the application. Like mm-hmm. it just has some rendering issue. At least this is like six months ago, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I couldn't keep my scripts written in that anymore. So that's like when I started to search around for an alternative. But uh, it has a really nice interface. I'll give it that. It just completely like I don't know. It doesn't like me. It does not like super long files. Cause like I, I don't know. I'm not like um, Jeffrey Way where I can just like run through it and kind of like you know come up with things on the fly. If I'm not talking to an audience, if I'm just like typing and talking, I cannot do it. I'm I'm so uncoordinated. I have like no typing skills. So like oh, I yeah. need a full script. I need to do it differently. I don't know how he's done live coding presentations before. Also, I'm two hundred. I'm two hundred percent typos. If I'm ever writing code alone, never mind with like people looking over my shoulder. I know it's a terrifying idea. The mm-hmm. delete key is just <laughs> always getting hit. Plus, I feel like I'm probably more of like a stumble through it programmer than a lot of other people that I that I want other people to know. So I don't want to like have to go like, oh man, because I'm I'm using a text editor all the time. So either I remember exactly the stuff I'm doing because I don't want a bunch of um, like Sublime Code Intel and stuff in my in my stuff. I don't want any of that in there. So mm-hmm. it's either I remember it or I'm referencing something. Speaking <laughs> yeah, tons of notes. Yeah, but really, like, that's how everyone's doing it anyway. Like, none of us have any of this memorized. We're just Googling or pulling up docs, something like that. Yeah. Like, we can have pieces memorized, but, yeah, like, I, I reference stuff insanely often just because, like, yeah. I can't commit a lot of it to memory. 
And there's no reason you should, because the documentation is out there all the time. Right. A smart person once said, uh, never waste your you know time committing something to memory that it can be read in a book. Yeah, definitely. It's Einstein or something. <laughs> Before Google. <laughs> Someone smart like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we generally delete my comment about action script because clearly I don't know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna get like hate mail, like you're a dumbass. That is not <laughs> action script, my like friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, action script to me is like the most generic object-oriented language ever. It's just like yeah. you expect something to work and it's there and it's that way. It's just how it is. Right. I have no yeah, idea. Just I'm just gonna learn. take your word for it. It's like a Java light, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good description. It's very Java-ish. Yeah. Um, cool. Although I guess so, so is PHP. If you ask certain people, <laughs> you got to be careful when you say that. <laughs> no, oh, nobody God. thinks that. It's just, people say that about some. Honestly, the complaint about Java is insane to me. I I think Java is a really good language, and I can understand. Um, I can understand, you know, kind of where they're coming from, but you know, we don't really actually have that in PHP. You know, yeah. PHP, you know, it's it's just not that way. It's just people are just worried about too much architecture and too much boilerplate, and and I think that there's like a cargo cult thing going on there where yeah. some people are getting into this stuff new and they're just throwing it everywhere and you know it, i don't think that most most developers who are out there submitting good code to pack uh you know packages downloading stuff off packages i just don't think that it's a it's a real problem yeah right and then i mean that, that moderation you kind of learn with experience anyway so i mean i know at first when i learned a design when i learn a design pattern i just throw it at everything you know, it's my hammer and everything is on that. Right. <laughs> that, uh, you know, you have some experience with it and you figure out where it's really bad and where it's really... Yeah, you, you have to then, play with it to you know, know. use it sparingly. Yeah, I was just salty when I was younger. Like, <laughs> I learned on C++ and C, so I'm like, it doesn't compile, it's not fast enough. <laughs> so, like, Java was just always weird to me. And then, like, once I actually came to understand it, I used, I disliked it for other reasons, but... Um, like ultimately we owe a lot to the Java community and just Java in general. Like most of our best practices came from there. So yeah, I, agree. I totally respect it. I still don't want to actually write it, but I respect it. Okay. Well, leave you with this note. Um, there is a person talking about the evolution of language, uh, video uh, talking about the design of Java. You totally should go to YouTube and check it out. I have no idea what the name is. I'm going to put the link in the post on Laravel IO. Uh, awesome, awesome video where he, he starts using only really basic words and he doesn't use anything that he hasn't either defined or does defined a rule for. So over the course of the talk, his language becomes more and more complex and he uses that to explain how they de- designed Java and why they made certain decisions. And I thought that was just a fantastic video. That sounds amazing. That sounds cool. It's, yeah. you should do- totally check it. But we totally gotta go. Thank you both very much for being on. Thanks. All right, thanks, Sean. All right, bye.